Hey, hey, what's the fuss in? Tell me what's a happening. This is the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 66, just like the famous American route that took you from one coast to the other. This is Pyromaniac Mo. You can follow me on Twitter. That is at P Y R O M A N I A C M O. And of course, the regular Pyro crew can be followed on Twitter at Pyromaniac. Now that is P-Y-R-O-M-A-N, the number one A-C. You just heard a little bit of poor, poor, pitiful me from one of my favorites, Warren Zevon. Stay tuned at the end of the pod. You can hear that song in its entirety. I'd also like to remind you to stop on by pyromaniac.com. Version 2 of the draft kit is out now. If you get it, you're going to get all the updates as we send them out as news keeps happening. That's over at pyromaniac.com. Check out our draft kit. It is a weapon of mass destruction. On today's show, one of my favorites, a guy I've been tuning into for years, John Tuvey. He is a longtime industry veteran. Now, you've probably read his work formerly from The Huddle, uh, he's worked for Fanball. You can hear him right now on the Fantasy Football Party podcast. He's also writing for Sport Radar. He's got a kick-ass website. That is the number two, and then V-O-L-I-N-E, 2vonline.wordpress.com. I'm going to tweet that out over the next few days, and you can follow him on Twitter. That is at J2V. That is at J-T-U-V-E-Y. Mr. Tuvi, how are you, sir? I'm doing well, thank you. And I, I, we discussed this before the show, but I do need to take issue with this being uh, pyro light. We're going to talk about the big fellas. The, the only thing light about is that uh, these guys are light eaters. When, when it's light out, these guys are eating. So I'm looking forward to breaking down O-lines with you today. And getting bigger and bigger, you know, I was watching the uh, Hall of Fame inductees and they were uh, throwing back Kramer and some of the old guys from, you know, the 60s. Just looking at the size of the old linemen then and some of the defensive linemen as they were showing the clips, it's amazing how big these boys really are. Well, I remember like Alan Page was a, a league MVP and he couldn't have weighed more than 220 pounds playing defensive tackle, not even an end. So, yeah, I mean, there were big boys, but uh, uh, they've definitely grown now. Everybody's over 300 pounds. If you're under 300, you're, you're undersized. And it's funny to see, like, if, have you seen uh, Joe Thomas, who, who's barely retired from the NFL, and he, I guess there's, there's two types of NFL linemen. There's fat guys that, you know, are just going to be big, and then you've got guys who bulked up, like Matt Burke, Tony Baselli, uh, Joe Thomas, who when the career's over and they don't have to keep those pounds on anymore, they look like, uh, you know, just, just tall guys. And you look at them and think, man, you were, you were a left tackle and, you know, Thomas probably only weighs about you know, 235, 240 now. So yeah. he's dropped about 60. He's, he's looking pretty good. He, he posted a picture on his Twitter account of him side by side with something just from last year. And it's like, uh, yeah, I can tell that, uh, you know, he's, he's been, uh, he hasn't been force feeding the, the protein shakes over the last uh, <laughs> six months or so. Well, I'm really excited because there's not a lot of people that really uh, know or can speak of all that intelligently of offensive lines. So I'm ready to jump into this thing, man. Uh, before we do real quick, maybe you can toss out a few here. Um, camp is going fast and furious. We've got 
a few updates for the folks, but man, uh, do things just happen fast. Of course, Corey Coleman shipped off from the Browns going over to Buffalo. Got Zach Ertz, who's still kind of injuring, hasn't practiced in a few days. Antonio Brown, day-to-day. These are guys just to keep in the back of your mind. Sony Michelle at first looked like uh, going to miss maybe a couple weeks, but lately it sounds like he, he should be ready for the season once it gets rolling. Say Jones has returned to practice. We got another Taylor Gabriel day-to-day. Lots of bumps and bruises. Doug Baldwin, that's another big one. He's supposed to be ready for week one. Kiki Cutie, uh, also dealing with some hamstring issues. Any other things come to mind that we can, because, you know, a lot of our listeners just starting to listen to podcasts as drafts are going to be right around the corner. Any other updates you can think of, or maybe even particular offensive line injuries that are going to really affect the way the teams pass or, or run the ball this year? Well, there are there are a few offensive line injuries, and you're right. They they kind of fly under the radar because it's it's camp. Not everybody's uh, fully invested in in tracking what's going on with uh, football yet. And then when they are, they're they're looking at those skill positions. But uh, probably the biggest one so far is Daryl Williams, the right tackle from Carolina. He was uh, coming off a great season, but that's a line that uh, they already lost uh, Andrew Norwell to free agency. Um, he did, uh, Williams dislocated his patella and tore the MCL in his right knee. They are not ruling him out for the season yet, but oh. yeah, it's, it's going to be, I got to believe that he's going to have to go on the pop for, uh, IR to be brought back and, and he's going to miss a, a good chunk of the season. Um, that's really important if you're eyeballing Christian McCaffrey, who uh, was 50th out of 53 running backs measured by Pro Football Focus in yards after contact. Last year, the Panthers were the number one offensive line in creating yards before contact for running backs. But losing Norwell and now losing Williams, um, that's a big hit. So yeah. uh, another uh, another ding to uh, to Christian McCaffrey's fantasy value. Uh, another one, uh, Ramon Foster of the Steelers. Um, it looks like he's going to be back week one. His uh, knee injury was just a, a hyperextension and a bone bruise. Um, and he's not nearly as critical uh, to his line as Darrell Williams is to the Panthers. Foster was probably a, a mid-tier, above mid-tier guard. He definitely had the upside to be uh, to be better, you know, he, he's kind of been playing below what uh, what some people think he can do. Um, Matt Filer is the guy filling in for him. Um, probably the, the big one to keep an eye on if you're an Aaron Rodgers guy uh, is David Bakhtiari, who spent time last year on IR, um, is now nicked up again. And, uh, you know, we'll talk a little bit more about some of the sites I like to use, but this new uh, uh, TQE that's coming out, um, with uh, Elliot Christ is kind of the guy that's, that's organized a bunch of uh, uh, analytics people. And, and one of the things that he's already tweeted out is uh, Aaron Rodgers splits with and without a healthy David Bakhtiari in front of him. And Rodgers' uh, depth of target, uh, yards per completion, uh, all of that stuff, much better with Bakhtiari in the lineup. So uh, if he's out, the Packers are scrambling for offensive line help. And, uh, uh, you know, that's, that's not uh, – as good as Aaron Rodgers is scrambling, uh, you know, you'd love to have him preferably in a clean pocket and uh, able to make some plays rather than running for his life with, uh, I'll say, Anthony Barr chasing him down. Yeah, it'll, it'll be good to see him back there again after the train wreck that was Hundley last year and lots of hype with his the trio, the rookie 
trio of wide receivers they drafted. Who's going to get that wide receiver number three, the coveted wide receiver number three, because that often vaults you. Um, is it Geronimo Allison? We've got lots of talk there. Also in the backfield with the, the running backs. They got a trio of backs. So Bakhtiari, this is the kind of information that we're looking to you. Now, before we really jump into it, let's just say, you know, offensive line rankings for passing. Generally, what do you look for when you're ranking? I mean, I think this is such an underutilized tool to really look at the offensive line. They're, they're so important. What are you looking for when it comes to metrics? Uh, you know, sack rate, what do you find valuable? Yeah, my go-to is uh, the Football Outsiders Adjusted Sack Rate, which isn't just straight-up sacks, but it, uh, uh, it measures them against the number of dropbacks. So, you know, if a team's dropping back to pass more frequently, there's more chances for sacks. And uh, if, if a team is dropping back infrequently but still giving up plenty of sacks you know you're in trouble if you know it could be you know like take the saints who don't give up a ton of sacks but you know their number put next to say the bills who throw you know what 100 150 200 passes less than than what the saints throw but the saints protect their quarterback at a much better rate than than the bills so that's my go-to um i also look at not just sacks but hurries and pressures um, uh, pro football focus does a real nice job, not, not just of tracking those, but of letting you know which quarterbacks do well uh, under pressure as opposed to a clean pocket. And you, you look at their passer rates in a clean pocket, uh, all of the top end quarterbacks have a passer rating of a hundred or better. Now look at how they're doing uh, in a, you know, under pressure. And, you know, as a Vikings fan uh, getting Kirk Cousins, I was, really excited with what they had in the draft that they were going to take alignment to make sure that, that Kirk Cousins uh, would be protected because like all those other elite quarterbacks, he's got a great passer rating in a clean pocket uh, drops. Uh, I believe he dropped from top five to uh, 17th in quarterback uh, rating uh, in a uh, under pressure. So, you know, it, it shook me up a little bit that the Vikings didn't put a little bit more in front of uh uh, Kirk Cousins and, and are going to ask him to maybe play uh, in a dirty pocket. So uh, back to your original question, hurries, pressures, uh, adjusted sack rate. Um, and again, we're talking numbers. There, there's also some subjectivity to it as well. Um, you look at the uh, pass protection grades, uh, again, from Pro Football Focus that uh, breaks down every player, grades every player. They also grade them by uh, team uh, pass blocking efficiency as well. How many uh, hurries, how many pressures, how many sacks they allow on number of dropbacks. So uh, those would be the, the go-to stats for me as far as uh, uh, pass protection metrics for offensive lines. Yeah, Football Outsiders does a great job. I often use them. I do pay for pro football focus, although they, they charge an arm and a leg. And that's a beautiful thing about you. As I said, as of right now, I know you're going to probably put this wealth of knowledge elsewhere but as of right now you can find it the number two v-o-l-i-n-e dot wordpress.com again i'm gonna send that out to the masses via twitter or you can follow them at j-t-u-v-e-y so this is why we come to you right um dvoa you know adjusted sack rate hurries pressures you can kind of distill all this information and give us some fantasy knowledge so Keeping with that O-line ranking and, and maybe even quarterback ranking, passing, let's say, how does the pass ranking of a particular line 
affect the quarterback rankings. Uh, you know, which quarterbacks do you move up because of their O-line? Which ones do you move down? How do you use this information that you have with fantasy football, in particular quarterback rankings? Well, it's really not just the quarterbacks. It's, it's across the board. Um, you know, if a line isn't strong, you can expect more short passes. So maybe yeah. uh, an uptick in running back receptions or tight end receptions. Um, of course, the caveat there is if the, the offensive line protection is poor, are they going to keep the tight end? Is he going to uh, tight end in? Is he going to run fewer routes? Are they going to require him to, uh, to block as opposed to get out in the pattern? Um, if the offensive line uh, is allowing a ton, of, a ton of sacks or hurries or pressures, um, it's not going to allow the quarterback to go deep. So uh, right. your home run re- hitting receivers um, yep. are going to take a hit. Um, you mentioned specific quarterbacks. Probably Deshaun Watson is a guy that takes a hit. You know, he's, he's coming off a knee injury. He's got a line that I've got uh, ranked at, uh, I can't remember if I've got him at 31 or 32, but they're, they're at the very bottom. Uh, and by extension, that's going to affect Will Fuller. Will Fuller's biggest strength is his ability to get deep and, and get behind defenses. And if Deshaun Watson doesn't have time to make that throw, that's going to take a bite. So um, on the flip side of that, maybe Larry Fitzgerald is a guy who's benefited the most from Arizona consistently having uh, poor offensive or poor pass protection, uh, actually not a bad run blocking team, um, but pass protection, the quarterbacks in Arizona, you know, Larry Fitzgerald doesn't make his living 40 yards down the field. He's working the right. short and in between and intermediate stuff in the contested catches and quarterbacks that, you know, if they're in Arizona, they know I got to go one, two, three steps. And then I'm probably going to get hit pretty soon. Where's that uh, big old number 11. I'm going to put the ball right out there. He's going to make the catch. So, um, you know, he's a, he's a guy that maybe gets a, a bump up because his uh, offensive line is, is not uh, uh, as strong. If, if uh, you know, they were giving, Carson Palmer last year, if they're giving Sam Bradford more time uh, this year, you know, then maybe you're looking at uh, the deeper threats, John Brown in the past uh, or Jaron Brown in the past. So mm-hmm. um, that's, that's probably uh, you know, one, one way that uh, it's not just quarterbacks. Another quarterback that probably I'm dinging a little bit is uh, Eli Manning. You know, he's got two stud receivers in uh, Odell Buckham Jr. and Evan Ingram. But I don't even have him as a starting option in a super flex league. We got him as my 26th quarterback because I'm worried about that offensive line. And, and it's probably uh, soured me enough on, on Saquon Barkley that depending on where I pick, I, odds are I've, people have him valued higher than I do. And, and that's not going to be a guy that ends up on, on many of my teams because I'm really worried about that Giants offensive line. Well, you, you touched on a couple things I was going to actually bring up. I Great minds think alike. Of course, yours is greater than my, you know, mind that is addled with hops and, and, and resin or, or whatnot from all the years. But uh, I was going to ask you about Will Fuller. You've got the Houston line, C minus, only the Bills uh, have a lower grade. Now, I know you're updating this as I go, so feel free to you know, make a change here if my info is a little bit off because I looked at this last week, but that's exactly what I was going to ask. Do you actually bump down a Will Fuller? Because obviously he's running longer routes. It's going to be a longer dot average depth of target because it takes a while for him to develop. So do you, in fact, bump Will Fuller down just because that O-line's not going to give Watson enough time to get him the ball? You, you, you go as far as the wide receivers and you bump them down in that case? 
Absolutely. And, you know, Fuller is probably the, the poster boy. And, you know, it's not going to be like a, a 10 spot drop, but right. um, you know, this, I think offensive lines, like with any metric or, or tool that you like to use, um, you, you throw that in the hopper and that's one of the things. Okay. So Will Fuller, uh, does he regress touchdown wise from last year? Um, he's the number two, so he's not the number one. So that's, that's a hit against him. Um, are the Texans going to be playing from behind? You know, their defense isn't, isn't too bad. What's their competition look like? Are they going to be forced to throw? And, you know, he does a lot of his work down the field. Um, is that offensive line going to give Deshaun Watson time? And, and how healthy is Deshaun Watson going to be? I mean, Will Fuller takes – he'll take a bigger hit if Tom Savage is his quarterback than, you know, than Deshaun Watson. Yeah. Then uh, he will be with Deshaun Watson as quarterback – because he's got a, a bad offensive line, but it, it's one more of those things where when you're on the clock and you're looking at, at two guys side by side in your rankings, trying to figure out which one. And, you know, if you can check off three or four things about Will Fuller that make you say, ah, I'm just a little gun shy that he's going to hit, you know, those numbers that people are expecting, you know, that's, that's where the, the offensive line stuff comes in. And there's probably a good, a good point to, to toss this out there. There was a, a little bit of a Twitter, uh, debate or, or just mentioned, um, and I can't even remember who, who the fan, fantasy analysts were that were mentioning it, but they talked about how uh, it's more of a running back thing, but volume of carries uh, was a more important factor than offensive lines. And it kind of got misconstrued to that, well, offensive lines weren't valuable. And, and even uh, the guys that, that put the stat out, they were like, you know, it's not that they're not valuable. Uh, one, they're tough to measure because it's so subjective. You can't really base everything off of last year when three-fifths right. of a team's offensive line might be new. Um, plus, uh, they're going to be playing a, a different schedule. Um, plus, you know, there's so many, and I think we'll talk about this a little bit further, there's four or five different um, sites uh, or analysts that are ranking offensive lines, and there's plenty of uh, – disagreement between us you know they're there everybody knows that the cowboys have a top line but you know you pointed out a couple that i'm higher on than most and and are lower on the most so what do you base that off of but in the big scheme of things it's really tough uh, you know he he had one of those fancy scatter plot graphs and, and it was kind of all over the place and then you take running back volume and and there's far more of a correlation between uh, predictable performance and and uh, and volume of carries and I agree. You know, I, my, my dander gets up when you say offensive lines don't matter, but when you look behind what they actually say, well, it's not that they don't matter. It's just that you can't use that information to predict as well as say, you know, a running back is going to get 250 carries versus 150. I, I'd rather have a guy with 250 carries behind a bad line than, than a guy who gets yeah. 150 behind a good line in most cases. But uh, again, it's, it's one of those things that you, you throw in the wood chopper and, uh, you see what comes out, and you know the more things you throw in there, I think the the closer you get to uh, to a final answer that you're happy with. A couple of things come to mind. You know, we often say at Pyro, we'd rather teach you how to draft for life than tell you how to set your lineup for a day. You know, so we're we're trying to give you tools, and everybody should think for themselves. So when you formulate your tiers, whether you get them from Pyro or you you know get them from another site. Certainly, we love the tiers, not just rankings, but the tiers, but then have them adjust. So I am using your offensive line rankings, you know, maybe the top eight and the bottom eight, and I'm finding those running backs and I'm bumping them up 
a peg or two and I'm, I'm bringing them down a peg or two. I'm looking at strength of schedule and using that to tweak my tiers as we go. And I think that's a, a perfect use for offensive line rankings. Would you say? Absolutely. And, and I'll flip that back at you. I like to get as much of my uh, rankings, projections, all that stuff done before I start looking at other people's, uh, which means that uh, I am going to be picking up now that I, I'm pretty comfortable with where I've got everything. I'm going to be picking up my, my pyro draft kit because I like to go to people um, whose opinions I value. You know, there's, there's lots and lots of people out there and I'm sure there's plenty of great ones that uh, I haven't spent a lot of time with, but you know, there's a handful that uh, I go back to on a year to year basis because uh, I like not just uh, the numbers they come up with, but that there's an explanation behind them. And like you said, that's, that's the key is, is it's not just, here's my numbers. It's, you know, here's, here's how I got those numbers. And then if it's something that conflicts with what I'm thinking, then I can understand, okay, this is why they think that this is why am I making a mistake here? Or is there something else right. I should be seeing? Um, I don't mind that people disagree with me. In fact, I'd love to be in a draft where everybody disagrees with me because then that means I get my guys. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. But, but I also, you know, if they're disagreeing with me and, you know, it's, it's that old adage, you know, if, if you can't spot the mark at the poker table, it's probably you, you know, if everybody else is high on player X, throw, throw out Saquon Barkley. And I've got him that much lower than everybody else. Now I got to look at, okay, why is it, right. is it entirely because of the offensive line? Is there something else I'm missing? Am I just incorrect on this? And um, like I said, I like to get my numbers out there first. And then I like to go to uh, sources like David Dory at the huddle uh, and you guys at, at, at Pyro. And, you know, there are so many others out there, uh, you know, throw in uh, uh, football outsider stuff, but, you know, I do a lot of their line stuff and I'll, I'll go look at the, the skill position stuff. Uh, same with pro football focus, you know, uh, however much I can digest. And like I said, it, it all gets thrown into the blender and uh, you figure out if it yeah. matches with, with the flavors that you've got cooking. And if it doesn't, you know, okay, why, what do I need to tweak to, uh, to get that final product that I'm going to be really happy with? Yeah, it's exactly right. It's a, a recipe. You're, you're drawing from other people. You're drawing all these other stats and, and sort of making it your own. But I agree with you. I try to not look at other people early on, but then after I've got kind of things set, then I will go look. And I remember a few years ago, D-Rex and I were talking about Sproles. He set his lineup, and we used it to kind of identify, boy, after we had already sent our lineups, we realized we were, we were too low on Sproles in standard after looking at some other lineups. And we kind of said why. And we, dig, we did some digging and realized, hey, we are too low on him. And sure enough, we were correct. We needed to move him up. He did better in standard. We were dinging him too much for standard. And uh, I think that's exactly right. You set your tiers first, use things like O-line rankings, strength of schedule to maybe bump up some guys, and then look and see what some of the other sites are telling you. And then ask yourself why. Don't just automatically move him up or down, but ask yourself why. What went into that decision making? One thing you brought up that I want to circle back to, I just tweeted this out today, the Giants. I think I looked at Fantasy Football Calculator, if I'm not mistaken. I looked at the Giants. Saquon Barkley, his ADP for PPR was basically sixth. Ingram was sixth. And I think Odell Beckham Jr. was like two or three. So you've got three positions, 
top six. And then Eli Manning is going as the 26th quarterback. I mean, to me, those numbers don't jive. Something's either too high or too low in that situation. What do you think? I absolutely agree. And it, one of my uh, longtime uh, Vikings writer friends, uh, he goes all the way back to Randy Moss's, I believe it was his first or second year, where you know, Carter was a, maybe it was his second year, Carter was a, a top five receiver, Moss was a top five or top ten receiver, um, and Dante Culpepper was a quarterback, and he wasn't, uh, like, even in the top 15. Like, well, how how can you justify that? And, you know, I have that same question. I, I ding Manning quite a bit. I've got Barkley in my top ten. I've got Odell Beckham at three. I think I've got Ingram uh, – you know, towards the bottom of my top 10 uh, when, and with the word out of camp, you know, I'm probably going to move him up because it sounds like they're just moving him around and, and he's going to essentially be a, a wide receiver too, that you can play at, uh, at tight end. So uh, I guess it, you know, it goes back to one of the ways that I do my projections is um, I'll, I'll group my, all my giants receivers and okay. I've got them all projected for how many yards. Okay. If it comes out to, 5,500 yards. Do I really think Eli Mang is going to throw for 5,500 yards? Right. Probably not. So now I got a ding. Do I take it out of Beckham? Do I take him out of Shepard? Do I take him out of, of Ingram? You know, what do I got to come up with a number I can reconcile between the quarterbacks uh, and the running backs and wide receivers that are catching passes. So um, I, I've done that and I've got, you know, it still works out for me with Eli uh, at, at a low end or, you know, in, in the low twenties, um, Barkley top 10 Beckham top three Ingram top, uh, you know, top 10 or better. So I, I'm really dinging those secondary receivers. And, you know, again, this will be something I've got a month to revisit. Do, mm-hmm. do I feel comfortable with that? Is that really how it's going to shake out? Are they going to be that top heavy or, right. Am I underselling Eli Manning? Is, is Eli Manning going to be a better value than I'm giving him credit for? Exactly. Yeah, these are the types of questions we've got a month, and I think certainly the preseason is going to help a lot of that, but uh, there's a lot of discrepancies like that, and we're going to get into that. We're going to get into some rushing. I got a, maybe one or two more QB questions for you, but we're going to take a quick pause to pay the bills, and you'll be right back with the Pyrolite Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, Pyromaniacs, thank you for sticking with us. Episode 66 today of the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast, talking offensive lines with John Tuvey and, of course, how they affect fantasy football rankings. Just finishing up on a quarterback talk, there's lots of theories on taking a quarterback early. Lots of people like the late-round quarterback. What's your opinion? Do you like drafting a top-10 quarterback? Uh, anyone specific, or do you hold off and um, you know see what you can get, and if you need to, you just play the waivers? I know all the cool kids wait on quarterbacks. I, I probably am the uh, the old fuddy-duddy that, that jumps earlier than Everyone's necessary on quarterbacks. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, you know, I'm not letting the peer pressure get to me. Um, what I'll do is I'll draw a line. You know, what quarterback am I comfortable with? And how important is quarterback scoring in this league? Is it super flex? Uh, do I just need the one? You know, if it's one, you can obviously wait and wait and wait. Um, but I generally end up with, uh, you know, going earlier than most and, and ending up with one of those top 10 quarterbacks. And, you know, to draw it back to offensive lines, I like to go with a quarterback that 
uh, is going to be safe behind a, a pretty good offensive line. Drew Brees, absolute yeah. poster boy for that. I mean, that's a, a phenomenal offensive line. Helps him, uh, gives him time to get rid of the ball. Also opens up holes in, in the running game. Um, I feel like I, I'm low on Drew Brees at five, you know, but uh, you know the way that uh, that my quarterback rankings shook out, you know, I'd be perfectly comfortable with uh, with Drew Brees. Um, if Carson Wentz is is completely healthy, um, I think he'll end up being my number two quarterback overall. I, I just I really like what he brings to the table. And again, that's an offensive line. With when you look at what they won the Super Bowl with, they they won even without. Uh, Jason Peters, who's one of the best offensive tag, he's probably uh, going to be in the Hall of Fame. Um, and, and they didn't even need him to keep Nick Foles upright. Um, get Peters back on the field um, in front of Carson Wentz. I really like what that offense is going to do. Unfortunately, I think it's going to be spread across uh, a multitude of receivers, and, and Ertz is probably the guy that uh, you can trust. But uh, I think there's there's a ton of touchdowns to be had from Carson Wentz, and, and uh, Philip Rivers would probably be my fallback. I've got him in my top ten. I'm not sure that's a, a commonly held opinion, but I really like that offensive line as well, and I like the targets that he has to work with. And um, again, a reliable quarterback. Uh, I'll go a little bit earlier than most, uh, and they've got a line that uh, I feel is going to keep them upright, keep them healthy, and uh, allow them to put together 16 games of helping my fantasy team. Yeah, you know, with the the, the frenzy of late round QB, sometimes I think people do it. I don't know, just to do it, and then it's like they they <laughs> have it ingrained in their head that they're not going to take someone early, right? But there comes a point. I mean, I am pretty much a late round quarterback guy but there comes a point uh best ball i did on mfl 10 i got drew Brees in the ninth round i mean they everybody was holding and holding and holding because they're all doing the new fad and it gets to a point where this is ridiculous you know you're not i'm not doing a late round quarterback theory just to do it there comes a point when there's a lot of value there so i hear you you got to know when that point is what about yeah, and there's no there's no way that Drew Brees would have lasted in the ninth round in any draft I was in because I probably would have panicked it around you know oh my gosh he's still on the board in round five round six I mean I, I probably would have taken him four rounds earlier than that well and certainly we know the top nine the top ten and there's a certainly a value for everybody like I said I'm a late QB drafter but there Drew Brees in the ninth I'll take that all day long now what about some of the later round guys? If indeed, maybe you're looking for a backup or, you know, two QB league. Uh, there's a lot of those guys, 10 to 20 that boy, any of those guys, you could make an argument for them perhaps landing quarterback one this year, you know, within the top 12. Are there any names out there that you really like that are sort of the mid to late round guys? Sure. And, and again, I'll tie it back to, to offensive lines. I really like, uh, what the Colts have done with their offensive line this year. They've got some guys getting healthy. Uh, they drafted Quentin Nelson, who is just a, a flat-out stud at guard. They've got another guy, uh, Braden Smith, that uh, I think is going to push for playing time. So if, if you're proving to me that Andrew Luck is healthy, I think I've got him at 14, unless I, I may have moved him up in my uh, most recent rankings. But he he's a guy that uh, I think fits that bill. Uh, Dak Prescott, I don't know who he's going to be throwing it to, um, but he's, you know, he's got an offensive line that's going to keep him clean, let him do what he needs to do. Blake Bortles, same thing. You know, people uh, uh, like to rip on Blake Bortles, but you know, he he puts up some some decent fantasy numbers, especially for 
the fantasy draft capital that uh, that you're going to spend on him. And then one guy that I think I'm probably lower on, at least uh, in my rankings, uh, than a lot of people, uh, Derek Carr. I believe I've updated him. Uh, he was in the in the 20s, I say 22 maybe, and I think I've bumped him up from there. And that's more of a I don't know what John Gruden's going to do kind of mm-hmm. ranking because yeah. he's got the offensive line. Uh, he's got Amari Cooper. I, I don't like that they took away uh, Crabtree. I think Jared Cook might be uh, uh, able to to blossom uh, in a tight end role in a, in a John Gruden offense. But uh, for me, Carr's getting dinged more because I just don't know. You know, has the game passed John Gruden by? Is is what he's trying to do? Uh, is that going to generate uh, stats? But uh, if I start feeling comfortable with that Gruden offense, Carr's going to move up, and and he would be a great later round quarterback that doesn't have to worry about uh, a ton of pressure and has some targets to work with. Those are some good names. Lots of exciting names out there, quarterback, that you can get mid to late rounds. I've certainly got my share of Pat Mahomes, even though there's been some news coming out of camp where he's interception happy. I've got a lot of Marcus Mariota. Those are some guys that I've been taking a lot in, in best balls. What? Speaking of the news, Patty Mahomes throwing it. How much do you pay attention to camp news? Because some of these beat writers, man, I mean, they'll give you a play-by-play on everybody in, you know, Sweetwater Brown is having his best day ever. Some guy I've never heard of and will never hear of again. So how much are you paying attention to the beat writers? Oh, it's, it's fun to listen to. And we've been without football for so long that, yeah. uh, you know, that you, you kind of have to pay attention to it. But, you know, in the case of, of Mahomes, Yep. Andy Reid knows man, this is this is the guy he's hitched his legacy in Kansas City to, and and he let a, a perfectly capable, um, pretty good quarterback in Alex Smith walk to to draft Mahomes and and to build around Mahomes. So I think if he has concerns about him being uh, interception prone, um, you know that's that's not an Andy Reid team. I think uh, if if that is a a concern, things will be worked around you know maybe they they go to what uh, the Rams did with Jared Goff last year where they uh, shorten the amount of field that, that Mahomes needs to read or you know only give him two reads and then allow him to use his athleticism I think there will be ways for uh, for Mahomes to to build so the fact that he's throwing some picks in in training camp practices I'm not worried about it wasn't that Mariota a couple of uh you know maybe it was his rookie year where they were breaking down you know I think he got went like 10 practices without throwing an interception like their practices I mean really what's what's the it's it's totally different once you get a defense that's that's trying to fool you and and is doing different things so you take it with the grain of salt you know you'd prefer to see Every day, Pat Mahomes is absolutely setting the world on fire. He completed 20 passes in a row. They were all beautiful, um, right in the hands. Nobody even had to break stride. But that isn't going to happen. They're working on stuff. So maybe Pat Mahomes is figuring out, you know what, cornerbacks are a little faster than I'm used to in college, and, and I can't quite make that 25-yard out across the field that I could make in college. So file that one away. Hey, they picked me off in practice. I'm not going to do that against, you know, the Oakland Raiders when, uh, you know, when we end up facing them in a couple months. So um, I'm not too worried about the training camp news. But that said, if if it's – especially if it's somebody that I'm not particularly high on, 
I'll absolutely send that out to guys in my league. Say, oh, you know, if let's say Mahomes is a guy that uh, <laughs> I'm not, I don't want any part of this guy. Like, yeah. Hey, do you guys see Mahomes through another four interceptions in practice? Say, man, I, what's Andy Reid doing over there? I don't know. I'd, I'd stay away. And then that I'll is... take him in whatever round he falls to. Genius, diabolical. You are, you are, you see the board well, my friend. You see the whole board. I like it. We're going to move to uh, rushing, but before we do, Val Verde, I am cracking open uh, a, a, one of my favorites as of lately. This is not my all time favorite brewery in New Holland Brewing, but. They're making this tasty little treat called a tangerine space machine. It is citrusy, it's hoppy, and I am loving it. So I'm kicking back a tangerine space machine. What do you have over there, my friend? Well, I've got uh, a Maple Island Bach. You know, we uh, our initial plan was to record this before yes. noon, so I thought, what would be a good breakfast beer? And this one's brewed with uh, 100% pure maple syrup. So uh, it's out of a, a Maple Island Island Brewery in Stillwater, and uh, I'm a big fan of, of hitting up the local brew pubs. Uh, there's one right down the road. Now, had we been doing this, uh, you know, we plan on doing it in the evening. Uh, my my all-time favorite beer comes out of a place called Wabasha Brewing Company, which is just down the road. Um, they put dried jalapenos into the beer. So it's got just a little bit of bite, but but not too much. It, it's all it's like a smoky taste to their beer. It's called uh, West Side Popper is uh, of the beer, and uh, I have several empty growlers that are probably due for a uh, a yeah. refill on uh, on my next visit. Yeah, we were uh, we had some technical difficulties on my end, but we were talking a little bit on Twitter about you know breakfast kind of brews. Of course, there's the the founders breakfast stout. I believe the slogan is something to the effect of you can't drink all day unless you start in the morning or, or something like that. But there's also a good one I've done when I'm camping. Again, founders, Rubeus, which is the raspberry ale. And I kid you not, man, mixing it with orange juice. It's a beer mimosa. It is really, really good. You know, there are some really good and interesting uh, fruity beers. You know, you mentioned the, the tangerine like you're drinking. Yeah. Um, Grain Belt here locally does a blue with blueberry, which not only is great as a standalone, but uh, it's really fun to play around with. Uh, there's a, a peanut butter stout, and you do a half and half, and it tastes like you're drinking a peanut butter and jelly sandwich, which probably sounds worse than it is, but it's absolutely delicious. So, And there's you know just a whole assortment of things you can do with this uh, blueberry beer. It was a, a local tragedy not too long ago, probably in the last week, week and a half, that uh, um, a, a, a semi-carrying a bunch of cases of, of Greenbelt Blue tipped over on the freeway. And had oh, really? I been there, I would have been collecting bottles. But, uh, you know, it's probably going to be a little harder to get to around uh, around Minnesota. And I, I don't even know if they, they ship it out of state. But uh, if you're coming to Minnesota, uh, Greenbelt uh, in, in New Ulm is, uh, at Shell's Brewery is a, uh, a tour to take. And the Blue is a fantastic beer to try. Yeah, I certainly hope no one was hurt, but I think that would have made for an interesting afternoon had you been in a traffic jam that was caused by a tipped over beer truck. Couldn't be that bad. <laughs> Reminds me of my story. One time uh, I was raised Catholic. Uh, I came in, I was met my ch folks at church. And I don't know, I was in my 20s. I had to have been 21 at least. Met them at church and my, you know, I knelt and whatever sat in. My dad just kind of said hello and 
And he kind of looked at me a couple times and leaned over and he says, you smell like a brewery because, you know, I was young and I had been up all night. And uh, I kind of grumbled. And he says, no, that reminds me. And he goes on to tell me the story of when he was younger and a bit of a rapscallion. They actually broke into a brewery and went swimming <laughs> in <laughs> one of the tanks. Yeah. That's so, a dream. It's, I've had that dream. Sitting down, it was the last. I could not believe I was hearing the story when I sat down to church and my dad smells. You smell like a brewery, and I wasn't quite sure of the next sentence, but I got a very charming story of my own father, <laughs> literally going swimming in a in a tank. It was a good one. I think God God laughed and smiled on that day. All right, we uh, O line rankings. Let's switch over to the the ground game now. As I started with the passing, give us a sense for how you create your O-line rankings when it comes to run blocking. Again, what metrics and stats are you looking for? You know, there are a lot more uh, places that, that are willing to or are trying to um, discern which part of uh, yards per carry or running back yards uh, is attributable to offensive line versus uh, the running back. You've got the adjusted line yards, again, Football Outsiders, yep. which is uh, one of my go-tos. Uh, they also do great stats like, you know, stuffs, um, how many carries are stopped at or behind the line of scrimmage, uh, power uh, ranking, yep. and, uh, you know, how are they at converting third and short, fourth and short, that sort of thing. Um, lots of sources have yards before contact. Um, Sharp Football does uh, running back efficiency stuff, which – uh, breaks it down by uh, blocking scheme, uh, by direction. Uh, Pro Football Focus does the the same sort of thing. Um, Joe Holka at, at Fantasy Labs has a uh, his whole bit rushing expectations, which does the same kind of thing. Um, again, it's more from a running back perspective, um, but you know how they are running off left tackle, how they are running off right guard, that sort of thing. And from that, you can glean you know how much of this is. Uh, you know, this running back running behind a really good offensive line is he's doing great when he runs behind Quentin Nelson and not so great when he's running behind Eric Flowers, that sort of thing. And uh, Elliot Christ, who's uh, kind of uh, in charge of that new uh, TQE site that they've been teasing, um, he does a lot of stuff. Adam Spinks uh, does uh, uh, running back, I believe RB Scout is his site, um, the same sort of stuff. Um, I'll also go to Pro Football Focus. You know, we've, we've talked about them. Um, but I like to diversify because I use them so much for their uh, their player grades. You know, they, yes. they grade each player on a scale of one to 100. So I'd rather get a sense uh, of what you know, other metrics and other sites say, and then balance that against uh, you know, say what PFF says about you know the Eagles' offensive line. That's I think that's probably a good example because their metrics last year weren't particularly great. But you look at that offensive line, I don't know that there's player for player an offensive line I'd rather have. If they're all healthy and you've got Johnson and, and Peters at the tackles and you've got uh, Wisniewski and you've got Kelsey, I mean, you, you've got a, a fantastic offensive line at every spot um, just because their adjusted line yards wasn't that good. You know, now, now I'm looking at, okay, is it, the metric is it missing something was it the running backs um, are they overgraded by uh, pro football focus and and you know coming to the conclusion that you know I still I still love the Eagles offensive line but you know are they going to get me extra yardage for Jay Ajayi 
were they not getting it for him last year? Was it because they had so many different running backs? So there's a ton of stats that uh, that you can use, and uh, you know I'll I'll digest them all, like I said, and then throw them into the wood chipper and and see what spits out. Well, let's say we do throw that into the wood chipper. You're using the example of the Eagles. Uh, last I looked, you had them fourth, I believe. Now, let's just say you've, you've got your tiers created, and you've got a guy that's, I don't know, set 20 in your tiers, ranked 20th. And you what do you do? You look at maybe if their offensive line is in, let's say, the top eight, you know, the best 25%, you're going to bump that guy up a couple tiers. Maybe the same thing, the bottom eight, you bump that guy down a couple tiers. Is that basically how you might use some of the information that we can get on your site and then transfer it to our tiers to get a better feel for how we should move guys up and down? Yeah, I don't know that I'm going to bump them two full tiers. Maybe I'll I'll bump them from I, not two one, full tiers, yeah. but you know one spot or two spots. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know I'll, I'll tweak them within tiers for sure yes. based on yes. on offensive line, and then you know maybe you know, like Ajay I think is a a good example. You know the the question is what's his share going to be? Is Darren yeah. Sproles going to take all the receiving? Is Corey Clement going to be the the goal line guy? You know if you're telling me that. Uh, Jay Ajayi is going to be there for the most part three down back with Sproles getting a chunk of the receiving and then Clement getting maybe a little bit of goal line work. Um, you know, I, I've got him situated. You know, I'm trying to think of where I, I had, I think I had him in the high twenties, uh, like 22 ish or so. And I've bumped him up to 16 because I'm starting to buy into, I think he is going to end up with those. And like I said, behind that offensive line, even though their metrics weren't that great last year, I mean, you give me a talented back like Jay Ajayi and what he can do after contact. And this line is going to probably give him plenty of space before contact. Um, yeah. I'll, I'll tweak guys up that way. A guy like a shady McCoy, probably going to tweak him down. I'm really worried about what that Buffalo Bills line, you know, they, it went from a strength, especially a, a run blocking strength to um, a liability uh, in a big hurry. Lamar Miller, probably along that same lines. And Christian McCaffrey, uh, you know, a guy that you know, I, I like what he can do, but I look at what that offensive line did last year. I look at the pieces that are going to be missing. I mean, you, for, for him to be, to, to get the kind of space I think he needs to be truly effective, you need both Khalil's to have throwback seasons, and, and they're certainly capable of it. We've seen it in the past, but you got to buy that both of them stay healthy, both of them play as well as they have in the past. They're able to replace a, a, an all-pro guard that they let walk by a free agency, and now they got to come up with a, a right tackle for a guy who was, I think he was a second-team all-pro uh, last year in Williams. That's that's asking a lot, and what they did last year in front of Chris McCaffrey wasn't that impressive, and now they've got all these hurdles. Yeah, McCaffrey's a guy for me that, you know, I know what he's capable of, but I got to bump him down based on that offensive line. Yeah, and just to clarify, I would say moving a guy within the tier, so you're going to move him up two spots, maybe one spot, depending on the rankings, certainly not jumping multi-tiers, but within a tier, I can absolutely right. see moving these guys up and down. And guys, if you are ready for the top six, maybe the bottom six, we're going to drop these names for you. So get your pen, your paper, certainly an ale, and uh, stay with us. We'll be right back on the Pyrolite Fantasy Football Podcast. 
All right, thanks for sticking with us. This is Pyromaniac Mo. I am back with John Tuvey, drinking a couple of beers and talking offensive lines. Now, let's just look at your rankings. Now, I wrote them down originally, but just in case things have moved, I'm going to shuffle on over here. For the run grade, and I'm, I'm getting this right off your site. Once again, the number two, voline.wordpress.com. I will tweet it out at Pyromaniac Mo. You can also get it from John. That is at J-T-U-V-E-Y. You got for the run grade, New Orleans Saints. You got the Dallas Cowboys. You've got the Falcons. You've got the Eagles. Pittsburgh Steelers and baltimore ravens now that was your i should say that is your overall grade so that's keeping in pass and run so again uh these guys are all the a's and a minuses from john tooby the saints the cowboys the falcons the eagles the steelers the ravens looking at some of these teams and how you view them uh how do you think that this knowledge that they are, these are the top six. How do you think this is really going to affect your rankings and which guys are you really looking at because of how high you rank the, their lines? Uh, number one guy is going to be Alex Collins. I and mean, if you're buying into what you saw at the end of last year and the Ravens giving him that workload for this entire season, uh, he accomplished that last year behind a Ravens line that played remarkably well, especially when you consider they were down three starters two games into the season. I mean, they, they were in scramble mode, and one of those starters was Marshall Yonda, who may be the best guard in football. He's certainly in the conversation. Um, missed uh, 14 games last year. He's back. Uh, assuming he's healthy, um, put him on that right side. Let Alex Collins run behind him. Uh, they also have... Uh, Orlando Brown Jr. I'm I'm old enough to remember Orlando Brown Sr., the guy that got hit by the flag in the eye when he was playing for the Browns oh, and I remember uh, that. sight yeah. in his eye for a couple yep. years. Yeah, his kid who um, through the first uh, preseason game, they really love what he's doing at right tackle. I think he ends up winning that job. And if you're able to run Alex Collins behind Marshlianda and Orlando Brown, um, man, I, I really – I really like what that brings to the table. You know, he was almost a thousand yard rusher last year. He gets that workload over a full season. Uh, I've got him right now at 20 and, and really the only, the only cap on that is that there's still some concern. Are they really going to give him that workload? I think they do. And I think he belongs on that RB2 conversation. And I think Ajay is the other guy. And we talked about that. The, really the, the question mark is, is he going to get the touches? If he gets the touches, he's behind a really good offensive line. And whoever that's going to be, let, let's say they, for some reason, Ajay is not the guy or he gets hurt. You know, I, I think Corey Clement uh, jumps up. I, I think uh, Darren Sproles, you know, they're not going to give him a bunch of carries between the tackles, but he's going to be on the field. And, you know, if they stretch the field, that's a that's a line that can really move in space too and get to the second level and make things happen. So, and that might be another way to identify with these lines. Like let's say Le'Veon Bell ends up holding out for the season. I think that offensive line is good enough that whether it's uh, Connor or uh, Seymour, is that the, uh, the Jalen Samuels? Samuel, that's the guy. Yeah, I think 
you plug in those guys, you don't expect Le'Veon Bell numbers, but I think they give you good fantasy stats behind that offensive line. So um, that's that's one of the other ways. I, the good offensive line, if you're looking at handcuffs, you know, if it's a handcuff to Lamar Miller, you know, a total. Let's say it's a totally healthy Deontay Foreman. Um, behind that offensive line, I mean, he's going to have to work and, and get his own. You know, he's going to need volume to be a successful fantasy back. If he gets the volume, and you know, because Miller gets hurt, then yeah, he's probably a, a good fantasy back. But I, I'm not happy with that offensive line. I'm, I'm not comfortable with uh, you know pimping him as a, a guy that. Uh, I'd really go out of my way to, to handcuff. But if you've got a good offensive line, I think that's when the handcuff comes into play. Well, we certainly saw it with D'Angelo Williams a couple of years ago when um, uh, Bell couldn't do it. Uh, and that was a, a testament to the offensive line. And Jalen Samuels, a lot, of, a lot of talk about him. The, the one thing I want to get back to with the Ravens, I, I'm a big Alex Collins fan, but are you sweating anything? I'm not too concerned with Buck Allen, but with Kenneth Dixon, are you worried about too much of a split here, or you really think it's Collins' backfield and he's going to soar with the rankings? Now, again, your top 10 with the Ravens. I checked Roto Wire, not Roto World, Roto Wire. They agree with you. They've got him at 10. PFF has him way down the Ravens O line, way down at 24th. So, again, discrepancy, a lot of disparity when grading offensive lines, but particularly with the Ravens. Are you worried about Dixon or Allen? Or is this Alex Collins' backfield? I think Allen's a, a pretty good pass catcher. I'd be more worried about him taking, yeah. um, in, in a PPR league, too much of a, a bite out of uh, Collins' numbers than I would uh, on Dixon. But you know that's that's the, you know that's how you win your league. If if you make the right call, if you hit that one right, if you're if you're right that Alex Collins gets you know seventy five percent of the touches in that backfield behind that offensive line. You know, and you're able to get him at a value. You, nobody else in your league is thinking that. Yeah, then that could be the difference maker. Um, maybe you're, you know, maybe you're a Dixon guy. Uh, use the same theory. I don't think uh, that Alex Collins is going to stick, but now it's going to be Dixon running behind that line. Um, I'd get him for a nice value. You know, depending on how big your your rosters are and what where you are in the draft. I mean, if you draft Collins as your uh, I don't know. Do you have to draft him as your RB two? Maybe you get him as a as a, a low end RB two. As your RB four, you you take uh, you take Dixon and and ensure that because I don't think it's going to be split. I think it's going to be one or the other. And right now I'm I'm betting that it's Collins. But you know if if for some reason injury or what have you, uh, and they switch it to Dixon, I think he could be successful behind that offensive line. I just uh, Collins is the guy I'd prefer. But, you know, Ravens back, whoever that may be, um, I'm on board with what they're going to accomplish behind that offensive line. Yeah, strong offensive line, according to Tuvi and Roto Wire. Collins going roughly, according to Face Football Calculator, roughly in the middle of the third round there. A couple other discrepancies. So, like I said, you like the Ravens. Roto Wire likes the Ravens. PFF had them way down in the offensive lines. Let's swing it the other way. Tennessee Titans O-line was a name that stood out when I was comparing your rankings and, and the few offensive rankings that you can see out there. You didn't like them as much. What do you see with the Titans? And in particularly, is this going to be a 50-50 with Henry and Lewis, or, or how do you see it? 
Well, the the question with the Titans is, are they they going to be as good as they were in 2016 when they were really good? And and especially, I think they they got unexpected uh, good play from their guards. Um, or are they going to be okay like they were last year? You know, they they weren't necessarily bad, uh, but they weren't uh, the world beaters that maybe we thought they were going to be um, coming on the heels of what they did in in 2016. Um, I'm not sure the, the change in offense, it's going to be more creative. You know, generally offensive line, if you tell offensive line, hey, we're going to just run it down their throats, uh, they get fired up for that. So I, I think they were on board with the, uh, what was it, exotic smash mouth? Was that what they uh, they termed their offense last year? You know, the rest of the league necessarily wasn't wasn't too impressed with it, but I think the, the offensive line liked, uh, liked that. So um, how are they going to be creative-wise? And uh, they might be more suited to block for, for Derrick Henry. I think he's the back that I want um, out of that backfield. I don't know that uh, with a, a Marcus Mariota offense, it's going to be a heavy throw to the running back type of offense. I mean, with Mariota, there'll be some of that, but you know, let him take his shots down the field. And if they're not there, then, you know, he's got the uh, the ability to run. So, um, Henry's the guy to own in that backfield, in my opinion. Um, and probably at a 65-35 type of split, and uh, I think I've got him uh, ranked uh, roughly in that, uh, you know, with that in mind. Well, and when I say there was a discrepancy, I think you've got him 12th. They were roughly seventh, so not a huge discrepancy. <laughs> right. But you know, you, you liked them less than PFF. Uh, a couple other names that, as I was comparing your rankings and, and some other ones out there, what you, the Lions and the Packers. Now, of course, I'm a Lions man. I, I'm a D- Detroit guy my whole life, lived in Michigan, so born in Michigan. I've lived other places, but I've always been a, a Lions fan. What do you see for me? Give me some hope, brother. What do you see for the Lions this year? I, I have hope for them, and, and I like what they've done. They've devoted – uh, free agent resources. They've devoted draft resources to the line. I just don't know. It's more of a, a franchise philosophy type of thing. And maybe that changes uh, with the coaching change, but they just, uh, you know, every year though, this is the year where we're going to establish the run. We're going to run the ball more. And then uh, they, I, I would draft Matt, Matt Stafford because he was going to throw the ball, yeah, you know, sure. about 5,000 yards. So now, you know, they've spent a little bit, uh, of draft capital uh, on Kerryon Johnson. Um, I like the Ragnow pick. I like him a lot. Um, I, I think they're getting healthy. Um, you know, Wagner was hurt last year, uh, missed three games. Um, uh, the tackle, uh, his name escapes me, well, Taylor Lewan, uh was out for yeah. uh, half the season. Um, I, I think, uh, you know, I've got him right now as a you know, mild liability in the ground game, but if they're going to run the football, if Ragno's as good as advertised and if they can stay healthy, I think that flips really quickly. So, you know, if, if that line can play 16 games together, I guarantee you they're not ranked, you know, 22 or whatever I've got them uh, come next year. They're, they're not going to the door of the top 10 because that, that is a line that's talented enough to run the ball. I just don't, I'm not willing to bet a lot of fantasy draft day capital that franchise-wise, philosophy-wise, 
they're going to get behind that and and run the ball, or if it's going to be with Carryon Johnson, or you know, I, I still like uh, Theo Riddick. Uh, I was going to say backfield. Personnel-wise, they've got their third down back, who they've really relied on because they had no ground game, and then they went and got the Bruiser Blunt. So, again, O line, you say it's not a, a hindrance, not necessarily a liability. And if they stay healthy, that's good. But, boy, they got a lot of mouths to feed, plus what I'm calling perhaps the the best trio of starting wide receivers in, in Tate, Marvin Jones, and Galladay. I, I find it tough to argue with that. I, you know, I'm a, a Marvin Jones apologist uh, from all the way back to his Bengals days. Uh, Tate's a, a great volume guy, and we saw what Galladay can do with targets. So, you know that that as much as anything. When you, when you look at that offense, where do you think they're going to feed? I think it's with Stafford and, and those receivers. I don't necessarily think it's it's going to be on the ground game. So that's you know that as much as anything dings uh, where I've got uh, uh, Lions running backs. And uh, like I said, I, it's not that I don't like that offensive line, but uh, you know they do need some things to click for them uh, before I'm willing to. Uh, trust them with a, a ranking uh, in the top half of the league. They, they have the talent. They, they can stay healthy and, and put together a, a decent season. Um, they'll, be, they'll be in that top half, and they certainly have the talent to, uh, to be knocking on the door of the top ten. Another team you like, B-pluses all the way around, talking about the Jacksonville Jaguars. I believe they come in ninth in your overall rankings, but like I said, B-plus run grade, B-plus pass grade b plus over all grade is this more of a committee than we are expecting with Fournette because they've got tj yeldon they got Corey grant what do you think with the uh, the o-line they've got there in jacksonville and the, the ground game i think it only becomes a committee if uh, Fournette's foot issues uh you know yeah. flare up and, and they're not able to to give him the workload they want but um, I, I just, I absolutely love that offensive line and they added the best uh, component in free agency in Andrew Norwal. Uh, I don't think they got him necessarily just to keep Blake Bortles upright. I think they got him to blow open holes for Leonard Fournette. And uh, another thing, and you know, this is probably flies under the radar for, for most fantasy folks, but uh, they recently had uh, what was called uh, the OL mastermind summit um, which is uh, Duke Manyweather, who is a high school teammate of, of Jeff Schwartz and has now gone on to uh, be a guy that, that does a lot of training of offensive linemen at the professional and, and some uh, collegiate levels and, and is on Twitter, um, uh, just all kinds of great offensive line stuff. But they brought this group of, I think it was about 26 players together. And Lane Johnson was there, Norwal was there, um, everything from... Uh, you know, established guys in the league down to, you know, backups. Um, three of the five starting linemen for the Jaguars were at this summit and, and they're trading wisdom talking about, you know, how do we defeat this type of rush or hmm. what do you do in this situation? And um, I, I've kind of been, been tracking the guys that work with like LaCharles Bentley, the former uh, Saints and Browns uh, pro Bowl offensive lineman who, um, had the unfortunate injury when he signed with the uh, uh, the Browns and has gone on to uh, another guy that develops offensive linemen. Um, guys that work out with, with Manyweather and, and with uh, Bentley, you know, I, I like to follow them after they've spent a year or two training with them. 
Um, and they generally tend to to go on and do quite well. Bobby Massey is, is one that jumps out. You know, he wasn't, uh, he, he didn't have a lot of success when he was with uh, Arizona and he ended up uh, spending a couple of years uh, training with these guys and ended up in Chicago and, and, you know, is getting paid pretty well and has developed into a, a pretty decent offensive tackle. So I, I look at these guys that uh, are spending some time on their craft. It's, it's like, uh, you know, the guys that used to go run Hills with Walter Payton or, or yeah. all of the different, uh, you know, the quarterback is working out uh, wherever with his three receivers, you know, it, it can only help that these guys are putting in that extra work. It's not just weight room work. It's, it's film work. It's, it's talking to guys about, okay, how do we, how do we deal with this spin move? Or, you know, when, when you encounter this type of linebacker, how do you, how do you reach block them? That sort of stuff. So seeing the Jaguars have three guys at this, uh, uh, at this uh, oil mastermind summit, it just, uh, it excites me for what that line is, is going to do. And, and we talked a little bit about, you don't have to really worry about Blake Bortles being under pressure and, and being forced into uh, throwing interceptions and I think they blow up in big holes for Fournette. I, probably, you know, what I think with as, as much talent as that backfield has, that's the first call I make. If, if I'm a GM of a team who loses their running back to an injury uh, over the next uh, month here, that's, that's the phone call I make. I see, is TJ Yeldon available? And I think the Jaguars would be fine going yeah. with Fournette and Grant. And TJ Yeldon would be, you know, depending on where he lands, I think he's got the talent to be uh, – you know, a viable fantasy running back and, and a team, a guy that could uh, help a, an NFL team out. Well, continuing on here, we're kind of doing this comparison thing. I think certainly everyone agrees. We already kind of mentioned the Saints, the Cowboys, the Falcons, the Eagles, the Steelers. You know, industry-wide, you're going to see these guys at the top. You're also going to see in the top 10 the Raiders and the Rams. I mentioned the Baltimore Ravens whom you like a bit more than other folks. Also the Jaguars who make your top 10, the Patriots you like, uh, you've got them 10th, exactly 10th. When I wrote this down, what are you expecting from the hogs over there in new England? You know, every year the Patriots finish top five, usually number one or maybe in the top three in adjusted line yards. Um, they, as a team, they generate stats for running backs. Uh, the trouble is you just, uh, you can't read Bill Belichick's mind. Yeah. At least I haven't been able to, I mean, I, last year I was all over Mike Gillisley. It just, it was so obvious. Mike Gillisley was running behind a great offensive line. He was going to get the opportunities. And, uh, obviously we, we know how that, uh, uh that, that worked out. Uh, it wasn't well, but again, the Patriots as a team generated running back stats. So maybe with the injury to uh, Sony Michael, uh, there's an opportunity here for, you know, is, is it for James White? Is it for Rex Burkhead? There's fantasy points to be had. And, you know, I, I, I keep going back to that. Well, I, I talked, I try to convince myself I'm not going to draft any Patriots running backs this year. And then, Oh, Rex Burke really? has just kind of sitting there and, and yeah. look at what he could potentially do. You know, I did it with Gillisley last year and I was, oh man, I was whole hog into, into Mike Gillisley. That obviously did not work, but uh, here I am back, back for more, you know, maybe with, with Michael out, it's, it's uh, Rex Burke had, um, maybe I can convince myself to wait a little bit and, and James White's the guy to get, uh, you know, a, a much, 
uh, less, uh, much lower price than uh, than I'd have to pay for for Burkhead or Michael. But uh, you know, there's stats to be had. I mean, th- that offensive line they they can trade parts. Um, they spent a first round pick in Isaiah Wynn, who may not start for them. Um, the the trade to get Trent Brown, um, who just is a really good fit for what they like to do offensively. Um, they're so well coached. Um, it is just so much to like about that offensive line. I mean, sounds like we're talking about the Patriots in general. I mean, they're they're well coached and and lots of pieces that they're they're able to make work. But that's that's what they do with their offensive line. And then it becomes a matter of can you identify which back Bill Belichick uh, you know reaches out and taps on the shoulder and says you are the guy today. Uh, so far, I haven't been able to do it, but it doesn't mean I'm not going to try again. Yeah, and I'm really I'm liking Burkhead. I wish the news hadn't come out with Sony Michelle, but going with Fantasy Football Calculator, 12 team PPR, you got Michelle early 5th and Burkhead early 7th. I've been liking Burkhead. Hopefully he doesn't rise as Michelle with the news with Michelle Falls, but I think Burkhead is a great call. You know they're going to put up points there, and I want a running back with the, a team that's putting up points. Oh, absolutely. And, and you know, that's how Tom Brady gets his one or two rushing touchdowns a year is, uh, mm-hmm. you know, they run up to the line once they get knocked out of bounds at the one-yard line, and uh, yeah, that offensive line is, is able to punch him in. And, you know, they – they gather up pieces of, you know, former players, uh, you know, guys that haven't had success and, you know, they've done it at the wide receiver position. They do it with their offensive line. They'll discard a few. They'll find a guy that sticks. I really think the, uh, the Trent Brown signing is one that's going to stick. And uh, I really like the, uh, the drafting of uh, Isaiah Wynn. I think, uh, you know, they're not going to miss uh, Nate Solder that, uh, that went to the giants. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they're, they're you know, plug in a new piece and uh, and maybe even a a better piece and plenty of time for Tom Brady to throw and plenty of room for Patriots running back to, uh, to run. And, you know, if you can identify that value, like you said, it's a shame if you were a Burkhead guy, you're getting him at value now with, uh, with Michelle out um, or or potentially out. That's, that's going to ding him a little bit. Yeah. And boy, like I say, it is hard (laughs) to read Bill Belichick. I can only imagine his wife, like the the pillow talk. I just, (laughs) I can't imagine it's all that good, you know, like, uh, well, we're, we're going to get amorous. I'm going to punch it in, going to score. That's the goal. It, it's just, uh, it's not quite the silver tongued poet uh, of Shakespeare that uh, <laughs> writing his sonnets that I imagine in the Belichick bedroom, but uh, we'll leave that for a late night podcast. Up next, we're going to wrap this up with John Tuvey, talk a little strength of schedule and talk a couple teams specifically and uh, a few future fun calls as we wrap up with John Tooby. You're listening to the Pyro Light Fantasy Football Podcast. All right, folks, thanks for sticking with us. We are wrapping up Strength of Schedule, talking to John Tooby. Follow him on Twitter. That is JTooby, J-T-U-V-E-Y. I am Pyromaniac Mo. Strength of Schedule. Now, Tooby's site is honestly fantastic. He gives you other resources you can use. He gives you the rankings. He gives you fantasy rankings, tight end, running back, wide receiver, all the normal stuff, plus all the great offensive line stuff. Now, strength of schedule. Your overall top five, overall easiest running back schedules. 
Cardinals, Packers, Dolphins, Eagles, Bills. Uh, which running backs are you drawn to with the Cardinals, Packers, Dolphins, Eagles, Bills? Well, we've talked about Ajayi, and you know David Johnson doesn't need any boost, although uh, you give him that schedule, um, a healthy Mike Ayupati at, at guard, and uh, there's a reason I've got him as, uh, as my number one overall pick. Um, the Packers, you know, I, I like Jamal Williams probably out of that group. Yeah. And uh, if, if it's Aaron Rodgers under center instead of Brett Hundley, you know, yeah. defenses are not going to be geared to stop the run. And that's a, a, a line that really does a nice job of, uh, you know, creating space for, uh, again, you know, they're not dealing with defenses geared up to stop the run. So that helps, but uh, they've been very efficient in their run blocking. Uh, Kenyon Drake is a guy that uh, you have to talk yourself into the share of the workload that he's going to get. But uh, I think if that offensive line can stay healthy, um, he's got a real opportunity, especially given that the schedule he's going to be dealing with. And, you know, Drake was uh, one of the lessons that, you know, over the course of spending 20 years in this industry, um, I've, I've kind of come around on rather than knocking a guy for what he can't do, identify what he does do and, and how that can help you. And with Drake, when he was coming out of Alabama, I remember I was down on him because he'd never had a hundred carries in a season. You know, he didn't get those touches at Alabama. He was a pass catching guy and a special teams guy. And so I was kind of down on him and now you look at what he can do when he does get the ball. And he's not going to be a guy that you want to give 20 plus carries a game, but if you give him 15 and throw the ball to him, you know, a handful of times, they've got Frank Gore that can take a little bit of the workload off of, uh, of what Drake can do. Um, I really think that, uh, you know, Drake's a guy that I'm very comfortable with as my number two running back. And, uh, you know, in a lot of situations, I may not even have to draft him as my number two. If I'm going running back, running back, there's, there might be a chance that uh, he could be my RB3 and be a, a fantastic flex, flex option with some real upside. Yeah, I believe you've got him roughly around running back 11. His, his ADP, I believe, is running back 21. He's going right around Lamar Miller, Penny, I believe, is where his ADP is. So, yeah, you could certainly get him as your third running back or, you know, go out and get a Gronk second round and come back and get your number two, Drake. I've got a lot of Drake, Drake in best ball, so I hope you are right, sir, because uh, I like what we saw out of him. He impressed last year. Now, speaking of the Dolphins – Dolphins and Kansas City, both of them, they've got a tough first couple of weeks, but then they each get three bottom five defenses in a row. So I'm kind of like in Kenyon Drake. If I don't draft him, I could easily see trading for him week five after he's had a, a tough go right before he gets a great schedule. Same thing with, with Hunt. Um what do you think? How are you using your strength of schedule? Do you, can you identify any other things like this as to who's got maybe a rough go here or who's got a good go there? What do you think of the SOS that you, we can find on your site? Yeah, we were talking a little bit about this uh, before the show and we were trading notes. It's, uh, it's a lot like uh, what you guys do uh, in the pyro draft kit in that I've got it broken down in uh, overall for the season um, also, fast start, so the first few games and 
how they close, so the fantasy playoffs. So uh, you mentioned the Dolphins closing with a, a very favorable um, schedule, um, not particularly tough run defenses or defenses that, that gave up um, adjusted line yards. You know, it's, it's not necessarily a, a volume thing. It's, a, it's more of a, a yards per carry thing. So, uh, you know, you, it's not it, – it's a little bit different than, than the other strength of schedules that you might see. But that's, that's how I look at it. You like to get out of the gates fast. And, you know, David Johnson, when, uh, with the quarterbacks that Arizona is going to have, maybe they're starting a, a rookie quarterback. Maybe it's Sam Bradford and David Johnson – chomping at the bit after missing most of last season and the schedule that they start with, I think he's going to absolutely tear it up the first four games. Uh, Packers, same, same sort of thing with, uh, with their fast start schedule. Um, you know, Aaron Rodgers is going to want to come out and sling it around, but again, uh, he, he knows how to take what the defense is, uh, is giving him. So it wouldn't be surprising if uh, Jamal Williams with, uh, with Aaron Jones, uh, you know, serving the suspension is gets off to a great start. And maybe that's the kind of guy that you don't have to spend a lot of draft day capital on, but uh, he gets off to that fast start. You know that Jones is coming back. Um, maybe you, you deal him to the guy that's got Jones as, as insurance, or maybe you sell high on him. Uh, you know, lots of different things you can do with uh, the guys that start fast. Well, I did a Twitter poll recently, ended just a couple days ago, and I listed what's the better value. And currently, or when I posted it, Jamal Williams was going in the eighth, Aaron Jones was early ninth, and Ty Montgomery was the late ninth. 50% picked Aaron Jones. I love Aaron Jones from what we saw last year. He's definitely got, I think, the highest upside, the highest ceiling. My concern is that Jamal Williams is going to secure the position when Jones is serving his suspension and there's not going to be room for him unless Williams, you know, gets hurt or, or dinged up. We certainly saw them all flash last year. I think Monty's a great PPR pick, but uh, if you're going to take one in that backfield, you're leaning towards Williams. Yeah, I, I liked Williams coming out of college. I uh, uh, I liked, you know, I, I kind of had him sized up uh, before the Vikings took uh, Dalvin Cook. I was expecting him to go. Uh, lineman, lineman, and then, you know, he was about the area that I thought the Vikings would be looking at a running back, and I liked the skills that he brought to the table. So as a Vikings fan, to see him go to Green Bay, you know, that, that kind of hurt a little bit. But you, you saw, like you said, he flashed last year, and I do think there's a real opportunity sitting in front of him um, with a, a favorable schedule to start and no Aaron Jones breathing down his neck. You know, there's going to be a role for Montgomery, and now depending on – how significant this Randall Cobb uh, ankle injury is, you know, does that push Montgomery more into a, a pass catching type of role like like he had before? They switched him to a to a full on running back, or you know, I, I remember the game where they uh, they lined up Randall Cobb as a running back and, and then threw to him ten times. So yep. you know, the, the Packers can do a, a bunch of different things, but uh, they're they're all kind of clustered, like you said, eighth uh, eighth and ninth round guys. Uh, especially if you want to get out of the gates quickly. Williams, uh, for my money, is the guy. Yeah, I love the the SOS that you've got, the, the Cardinals. They see basically top or bottom six, I guess, rush defenses the first three weeks. The Packers, um, bottom three defenses, two out of the first three games. The Colts also have a nice start, two Bottom five defenses, 
right off the bat. Are you liking anything? I mean, let's just say Andrew Luck is going to go ahead and start. Let's say he's he's healthy. Are you liking anything out of the ground game there in uh, Indy? Well, I do, and a a, a lot of it is is stems from uh, Quentin Nelson and and just uh, how how much I think he can do, uh, you know, uh, up front for the Colts. I think Mac is the guy to have. Um, I don't. I think for the way they've built that line, he's probably going to be the back, and certainly given his, I guess, uh, comparatively veteran status. Um, he's going to be the guy that reaps the benefits of that uh, favorable schedule to start. Whether yeah. he sticks with that gig, uh, I don't know. You know, maybe Wilkins is the guy to have long term. I don't know that uh, that Hines is big enough to be, you know, much more than a, a Tariq Cohen type of guy. But you know, you know that that remains to be seen. And um, if uh, you know, if I'm if I'm spending fantasy draft day capital, I think Mac gets a uh, the bulk of, of my attention um, in a later round. If uh, there's still an opportunity, I think Wilkins is the guy to throw a dart at because I, I think that offensive line is going to be good. And, you know, you look at what they have, even after that, that start, which is really nice the first couple of weeks and they got a toughie, but then they don't really face any tough defenses, uh, at least uh, as far as adjusted line yards go uh, the rest of the way. So, it's not a, a rigorous schedule. It's an improved offensive line, and you know you can go you can go short with Mac. You can go long with Wilkins, and uh, if you think that uh, they're going to be checking down, if Andrew Luck has uh, you know, got self-preservation in mind, maybe Hines is uh, is the pass catcher. Yeah, that's what kind of got me excited about Mac. Certainly, we've heard some good stuff from camp. And, you know, they got Hines, they got lots of guys there, but with that easy schedule, he's slated to be RB1. He's got the situation is set up real nice for him to take the reins and, and run with it. Cardinals, Colts, you know, uh, going the other side, also known as Washington. They only get one game with a bottom five run D and only three games with facing a run defense that's in the bottom 10. So Washington, Darius Geis, uh, I love him in my dynasty leagues, but boy, they have a tough schedule that uh, your chart reveals. That was surprising. Yeah, it's uh, it's not ideal. Um, again, I think maybe in this case, opportunity is going to um, overrule the diff the difficulty of the schedule they've got if that line stays healthy and, and i know i don't have them ranked particularly uh high but mm-hmm. i think if that line stays healthy it can be a very good offensive line um put that in front of guys and when you take you know i'm a i'm a huge chris thompson guy i've gotten some serious mileage out of him the last couple of years before anybody really knew uh, who he was or, or what he could do but if he truly, if he's saying he's not going to be 100% till November, um, that's going to probably limit his touches. And, and I don't know that, uh, you know, P. Ryan's the guy that's going to jump in and, and pick those up. I think it just means more for guys. So, you know, as, as a guy sitting with uh, the number four pick uh, in my dynasty draft, 
that's the guy I'm kind of hoping follows me. I'm going to have to go back and uh, and listen to your uh, previous podcast because I know you were breaking down the rookie running back. So I'll have to see if there's anything there that uh, that jives with what I'm thinking or sends me back to the uh, to the stats to look up some some more information. That uh, right now I'm I'm kind of crossing my fingers that uh, Geis is on the board when I make that pick. Yeah, I'm hope I got the fourth pick in my my dynasty as well, and I am hoping the same thing. Yeah, I had the fortunate chance to talk to Dave T. Thomas, longtime NFL scout. That was episode 64. We discussed rookie running backs, episode 65, rookie wide receivers. So check out what he has to say. And I got a few more, and then we're going to let you go because you have been so good. You, you dealt with my technical difficulties this morning. And we certainly have not made this a light podcast, as you said at the <laughs> onset. We're dealing with the big boys, and we've gone over our normal time. So Kind of rapid fire. We're going to get you out of here. I know you're a busy man. Are there any teams that you are just plain flat out staying away from because of their either O-line run protection, O-line pass protection, uh, anybody that you just are going to avoid like the plague because of what you've done with your O-line strategies and, and um, digestion? I think the those bottom ones, the you know the Bills and and Texans. Uh, you know, I'm not going to turn down DeAndre Hopkins if he falls into my lap. But uh, you know, I I was kind of uh, excited about Shady McCoy. I thought he might be one of those guys where um, he's a high volume uh, type of guy, and and everybody looks at uh, what happened to that line and that offense and and writes them off. But uh, with the off the field stuff, you know, maybe maybe the play there is a really late pick at at Chris Ivory, and hope he ends up as the volume guy but it, it won't break my heart if uh, I don't end up with uh, guys on uh, on my team from either of those teams and I think the Panthers are, are working their way into that as well and you know, usually uh, Cam Newton can can end up being a value because you're worried about rushing quarterbacks it, you know it doesn't tend to translate year to year but every year Cam Newton's got you know, the rushing yards maybe not always the touchdowns maybe not the passing yards but uh, he, he puts up uh, quality fantasy numbers. I, I know I'm not on board with McCaffrey. Um, you know, Greg Olson might be a, a guy, but uh, the Panthers are, are a team that, uh, that scares me. I, I never say never, but uh, you know, again, that's, that's a team. It wouldn't surprise me if uh, I make it through uh, my leagues with uh, minimal or zero Panthers on my roster. Okay. So Houston, Buffalo and Carolina teams, you're giving you pause for concern before i give you my one two three punch here anything else that uh, your o-line studies have revealed to you that we haven't touched on good or bad um you know hey we've we've talked uh o-lines for like an hour and a half here i'm not sure what this is gonna end up being as far as a podcast but uh <laughs> yeah, i'm a happy dude I, I don't know that i can add anything more anybody that wants to talk o-lines uh this long with me uh you know I, i'm happy to uh to spout stuff and I've got I've got more I'm just trying to figure out what uh, what I can put up on uh, on that website that uh, is uh, digestible to people who don't necessarily dig into it uh, as deeply as I do I've always looked at uh, at my online research as uh, you know, like a, a big screen TV you know I could explain to you how it works but you right. really just want to see the pretty picture so yep. I'll show you the pretty picture and then if you really want to know about uh, you know what's going on behind it I, I'm more than happy to uh, uh, to take you there as well. Well, I'm going to tweet it out again. I'm Pyromaniac Mo. You can follow him, J Tuvi. Uh, his site right now is online at 
the number two, V-O-L-I-N-E dot WordPress.com. And my one, two, three punch. Give me one bold call, John. Uh, Robert Woods uh, outperforms Brandon Cooks. Robert Woods outperforms Brandon Cooks. As a Brandon Cooks owner, I don't like it. But uh, <laughs> as a guy who is literally trying to trade Brandon Cooks right now, I am with you. Give me two overranked players. Well, probably at this point, his, his ADP is dropping back to where I had Josh Gordon ranked. I had him at uh, 41 among wide receivers on my first cheat sheet. I'm just uh, I'm not buying the hype. So I think uh, you know his ADP of 18 is going to come back to the pack. Uh, I put him as uh, at overranked. Um, I'm not quite as uh, negative about this guy as I was last year. Joe Mixon was my my poster boy for uh, bad offensive line dooming a, a talented back. I don't think the Bengals are, are all the way back yet. I like the Billy Price draft pick, uh, but Kevin Zeitler is uh, injured right now, and I think uh, at 15, uh, Joe Mixon's overrated. And three. We've done the one. We've done the two. We got three sleepers. Well, let's go uh, running back Matt Breida. I think I like his that. upside is uh, is Tevin Coleman to McKinnon being uh, the Devontae Freeman. It's the same style of offense. And, you know, as a Vikings fan, I got to see McKinnon up close. It's not that I don't like him. I just don't know that he holds up to that workload. So I think there's uh, some value for uh, a second back in that offense. Uh, my wide receiver sleeper, uh, Nelson Aguilar, I think everybody's banking on uh, touchdown regression for him. Um, he, he's in the 40s in uh, ADP on most sites. I've got him at wide receiver 30, which, uh, as I said earlier in the show, I've got Carson Wentz as, uh, if he's healthy, he's my number two quarterback. So I think there's plenty of offense in, uh, uh, to go around in, in Philadelphia, and I think Aguilar gets his share. And uh, my tight end sleeper is uh, Eric Ebron. I think he takes the uh, the Jack Doyle rule. I think he outperforms him. His, uh, his ADP is tight end 23, so puts him at a low-end tight end, too. It's the highest ADP that uh, I've seen out there for him is 17. I've got him in my top 10. Andrew Luck loves throwing to his tight ends. He's made two tight ends fantasy valuable before. Yep. Um, you know Who's the second receiver in that offense besides T.Y. Hilton? You know, I'm higher on Ryan Grant than most, but I don't know that he's necessarily – the solution. I think uh, the way they've been moving Ebron around, uh, what he brings to the table, um, I think he's a guy that's uh, seriously undervalued where he's going right now. And last one, just because I like betting and, and looking online, a coach. Who do you think is going to be the first one fired? Just looking at some odds right now, your, your top five here are Cotter. Dirk Cotter has the best odds of getting fired first with the Bucks. Hugh Jackson is next. Vance Joseph with the Broncos. Adam Gase, and then Marvin Lewis, who would be your top five coaches on the hot seat, according to Vegas odds. Who do you think we're going to get rid of first? You know, I, I'm a Hugh Jackson fan. I, I've been a Hugh Jackson fan because I, I like what he brings to the table as a as a ground game guy. But, you know, and, and maybe at this point, how, how do you not get fired after the back-to-back -back seasons he's had? But I think if they get out of the gate slowly – uh, he's he's got to go. They gotta they gotta come up with the change, right? So uh, unfortunately, I, I don't know that uh, Cleveland's addressed all their issues, and uh, and I think Hugh is uh, is looking for work, and probably you know within a year or two is a, a really good offensive coordinator with somebody. John, 
it has been a pleasure, sir. We went long. I, I can't thank you enough, one, for holding on for the technical difficulties. And I just always enjoyed chatting with you. You know, we, we talked beforehand. It's been a couple of years. You co-hosted a show with me. And I just always enjoy shooting the fantasy breeze with you, brother. Well, you as well. And, uh, you know, we're going to have to traverse the uh, the Great Lakes more up more frequently and, uh, and hook up. Maybe meet in the middle of, uh, you know, I don't know. How, how does it work? Uh, what, what's in the middle? I don't know if we've got to do Wisconsin. Maybe we've got to go around Wisconsin or up into Canada. We'll find something. We'll figure it out. Yeah, there's some good breweries up in the UP. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm all for that. There's great breweries here, too. So we're, maybe we'll, uh, we'll do a home-and-home home series. I like it. I like it. I'm always looking for good breweries. The wife and I always take little detours if we're traveling just to get to – and by little detours, I mean we'll drive a couple hundred miles just to get to a brewery. <laughs> there you go. There you go. I like it. All right, Pyromaniacs, that was John Tuvey. As I said, I'm going to tweet out all of this info. I am Pyromaniac Mo. You can follow me on Twitter just as it sounds. He is John Tuvey or at John Tuvey. That's J-T-U-V-E-Y. Check his site out. It is the number two, voline.wordpress.com. Thanks for sticking with us on the extended version of the Pyrolite Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 66 I will catch you on the flip side and enjoy poor, poor, pitiful me. Just like